to hear a lot 20 or so years ago that we don't hear so often anymore, I think, and that is that God is supposed to be on the throne but in our lives, but often we push him off. And when we push God off the throne, we put something else on the throne, and, and that is us. And uh, that is a really good thing to keep in mind on. One of the areas where we push God off the throne is when we are offended and need to forgive. But we don't want to forgive because we are offended. And so when we say, I won't forgive, by doing that, and we don't, have to, we don't have to say the words, I won't forgive, we have to simply not forgive, then at that point we have pushed God off the throne. Because God on the throne says, forgive. And we're saying, I won't do that, I can't do that. Now it hasn't actually, it actually hasn't been that long since I preached on forgiveness, because when I was going through the, the kings in First and Second Kings, I talked about uh, the king... Uh, you know, that one king. <laughs> that one, the one, I can't come up with his name right now. But uh, he, was, he was the most evil king. And, uh, uh, and, and still it's bouncing right on the side of my brain. I can't hardly talk. Uh, he was the most evil king, and yet he was forgiven. He was restored to, to, to his kingship and, and, and finished well. And it was, the, the title of that was Forgivability. It was about us receiving forgiveness. Today's is about us giving forgiveness, and it is an important thing for us to consider. So today we're going to look at what God asks of us in forgiveness and to try to find the ability to do what it is that he asks. So let's start by simply talking about what forgiveness means. Okay, and, and there's more than one aspect of forgiveness. It's, it's a big word with a lot of applications or, or implications. And the first thing that, that I want to get across is that to forgive something is to absorb the cost of it. Uh, it, forgiveness is not free. We often think of forgiveness as free. Well, forgiveness is free to the receiver of forgiveness, but it is not free to the giver of forgiveness. The person being forgiven has the ability, should they want to, to ignore the cost, but the person doing the forgiving, forgiving cannot ignore the cost because he is paying the cost or absorbing the cost. When you forgive someone, you are saying, I will cover the cost of that offense. If I steal a dollar from you, I walk by and Dion's got a dollar stick sticking out the back, his back pocket and I do this, which you know I would do, <laughs> right? I would probably give it back, but he might not notice. And I'm like, oh man, I really wanted a dollar, right? Well, if Dion finds out I stole a dollar from him. He, he, he says he's going to forgive me. What does it cost him to forgive me? A dollar. It costs him a dollar because by forgiving me, he's saying, Steve, I forgive you for the dollar. And I say, cool, right? And I, and I keep the dollar. So uh, I steal five dollars from you. What does it cost you to forgive me for stealing $5 from me? The answer is $5. You say, well, you're not paying out another five, but you are absorbing the cost. I did the offense to you, and, 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 and you are absorbing the cost. What does it cost you if I burn down your house? <laughs> right? You say, well, there's insurance going to cover that. There's those kinds of things are going to kick. And you're right. And besides, the law will handle punishing me, and you don't have to do that. But still, if I burn down your house, think about just the, simply the size of a and the things you can't replace, and, and the hurt, and the, the, the incon massive inconvenience, and yet that burning down your house is in the realm of things for which you are supposed to forgive the sinner. You go, wow, what does that cost you? And you say, wow, the cost of forgiveness at that point is really, really high. 
It is a big expense. It costs me a lot. Forgiveness pays, oh, pays the offense or absorbs the cost of the offense. That's why it is one of the reasons why it is so hard to forgive. Because when we forgive little things, it doesn't cost as much. And we can handle that just fine. But when it is a big offense, it's a lot harder to and we don't want to. Right? We don't want to forgive. And when I say we, I don't know about you, but I know I'm talking about me. Okay? Because I find it hard to forgive big offenses. Forgiveness pays or absorbs the cost. And, and, and by the way, that is why Jesus went to the cross. Because he was absorbing the cost of our sins. He was absorbing, he was paying the price of our offenses. Forgiveness is free to us. Salvation is free to us. But that does not mean it was free. It does not mean it was cheap. It meant he looked at our horrible offenses that all of us have done, and he said, I'm still going to forgive, which, by the way, comes back and says to us why it is so important that we forgive when others sin against us. Uh, so, so that's an understanding of forgiveness, that it is absorbing the cost. Another understanding comes, if we look at the Greek word, the Greek word is aphete, and, and it gets really complicated with all the, you know. In, in English we have forgive, forgiveness, forgiving, forgivable. For, you know, we can do all, well, Greek they do that, and it's really hard because it's in Greek. <laughs> uh, and, but the basic word is aphete, and it means to let go from one's power. To, uh, from, to let go from one's power, or possession to let go free to allow to escape. Wow. To let go from obligation to oneself. Wow. To, you, in other words, you have this person in your power and you choose to let them go. This person who has offended you, who stole from you the dollar or the five dollars or burnt down your house and you choose to let him go. You choose to not require him to pay for the offense. Matthew chapter 6 is one of the passages we're going to look at today. Matthew chapter 6, if you're not familiar with it, if you're familiar right now, you're saying, oh, he's going to the Lord's Prayer, or the Our Father, depending on what you want to call it. And you're right, I am. But I'm going to after Jesus gives the Lord's Prayer, or the Our Father, or whatever you want to call it. Because, you know, it ends with, lead us not into, temptem- lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then he explains the prayer. This is not part of the prayer. This is an explanation. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And this, that's the word that's used there. It's used four times. If you forgive others their trespasses, God will forgive you. If you don't forgive, He will not forgive you. If you let others escape when you have them in your power, He will allow you to escape when He has you in His power. But if you do not allow them to escape, He will not allow you to escape. Wow, that's really tough. That's not, I don't like that, God, <laughs> right? Uh, we'll, we'll come back and we'll look at that some more. But it's explaining, it's explaining the forgiveness that we find. And our forgiveness, uh, we're going to come back to this, this uh, dependence, this, this forgiveness that depends on forgiveness forgiving. Uh, And we'll we'll look at that later, but basically I want to get the idea of the meaning across. So another meaning about it, and and this might be the hardest thing to think about when you think about forgiving somebody. This might be the one that more than anything else makes you say, I don't want to forgive somebody, is it allows the possibility of restoration. And you go, "Uh -uh. uh-uh, uh-uh, no God, whatever else happens, I do not want restoration of fellowship with this person. 
I do not want to allow that to be a possibility. Right? Have you ever been offended that much? Have you ever been offended to the point where you say, I do not want to allow that to happen? I do not want to have to consider that? Because I have. And, and, and he says, uh, he, that, that, that's one of the things that makes it hard. Can you hear yourself saying, I forgive him, but I don't ever want to see him again? Can, can, you, can you hear yourself saying that? Is it an echo? Because you've said it before, right? Uh, because I can. This is hard. I don't want to do this. The forgiveness, you know, forgiveness sounds so easy when we just sit around and talk about forgiving. But when we start talking about specifics, when we start talking about feelings and some of what it means, it gets really hard. But, but let's go from that. And I want to talk for a minute about what forgiveness doesn't mean. I didn't want to do this part because I don't like to give us escape clauses. You know, I don't like us to immediately jump to this lets me off the hook. But, it, you know, it doesn't mean, first thing it, forgiveness doesn't mean is it doesn't mean you have to like the person. It doesn't mean you have to be buddies with the person. Forgiving the person doesn't mean you have to go and be his friend. Uh, you can choose not to be his friend. The Bible says we have to love everybody. It doesn't say we have to like anybody, right? Which I really like. <laughs> it doesn't mean you have to trust the person. Right? Forgiving the person doesn't mean you have to say, okay, then I have to trust him with money again. Right? He stole from me before and I will trust him with money again. Forgiveness does not mean that. Forgiveness doesn't make you stupid or naive or forgetful. It makes you godlike. It makes you good. But it doesn't make you any of those things. It, it, what, what it means is, is you're not holding them accountable for what they've done. Uh, you're absorbing the cost. You're freeing them from obligation to you. And that's what forgiveness means. So what does God ask of us in forgiveness? And depending on your version of the Bible, it's 77 times or 70 times, <laughs> seven times, right? Uh, and so Matthew 18, uh, verses 21 through 22, this was, this was our scripture reading today. Peter comes to Jesus and, and he says, uh, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. And Jesus said to him, uh, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Or 70, I think it's another passage that says 70 times seven. And usually when I picture this, this passage, and it's not like the first time I've read this passage, usually when I picture this passage, and I picture this not seven times, but 77 times, I picture the annoying little brother, right? The one who just bugs you. And, and, you know, he has done it 77 times. He has done it 70 times, seven times, you know, 70 times, seven. And, and, and you just, you know, and because that, that is, a, and he annoys you, but you forgive him. He's your brother. And then he comes back and he does it again. And, and, and it's just part of life. And, and, and that's what I usually think of. But this doesn't say 77 little sins. It doesn't say it. It doesn't imply it. Right? And all of a sudden, I'm on Peter's side. I mean, let's be honest about this. It is hard enough to forgive someone the first time. And then that person comes back and does it again? You have got to be kidding me. You already did that to me once. You expect me to forgive you a second time for the same sin? And all of a sudden, doesn't two sound really good? I mean, I'm with Peter, man. If I do it seven times, I am, you know, put big halo time, you know, because I am, I am super saint. I forgave him seven times. Because two, two seems really unreasonable to me because I did it once and it didn't work, right? It didn't take. 
And, and he says, 70 times 7. Peter sounds really generous to me when he says seven times. Jesus says seven times that. And he's not asking for us to become sin accountants. He's not asking us for to, to, to always count. What he is saying, he's saying always forgive. Always, never don't forgive. But always forgive. Let your character be forgiving. Let your nature be forgiving. Just be a forgiving person. That's what 70 times 7 means, or 77 times, or however you want to do it. it, 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 it the, the way the math is written really doesn't change anything, because the message is the same. Be a forgiving person. Always forgive. And then we go on, Matthew 18, 21 to 35 is this, this story that Jesus gives to explain it all. And he tells us why we are forgiving, right? Jesus, after he says the 77 times in verse 22, he goes on. He says in verse 23, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And, and, and you know that, what that equals mathematically varies with the price of gold. But basically figure we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. Okay, Hundreds of millions of dollars. And so then when it says, and since he could not pay... Right? It doesn't say, and since he was a little short. <laughs> it's that, it's that you know, if, if, if I owed somebody hundreds of millions of dollars, there is no question of could I repay. It's simply since I cannot repay. Right? It's, and that is our situation before God. It's not as if we could possibly repay. Or possibly if we were one of those billionaires, we could repay. You know, maybe if I was, there is nobody who can repay. The debt is beyond anything. Anybody has the ability to repay. So it simply says, and since he could not pay, uh, his master ordered him to be sold, and his wife and his children and all that he had, and payment to be made. So, so in other words, it would have been, you know, he owes me $700 million, but I can sell everything he has and get 20000 so I'll do that. Right? And, 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 and he's going to get what he can. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, his master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which think of a hundred denarii as a hundred days' wages. Okay? It's not a small debt that he was owed. It is a big debt, but it's utterly trivial in the light of hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, depending on what your day's wage is, call it, you know, call it uh, $10,000, call it $20,000, uh, call it $30,000. I don't, don't care what you call it. Uh, it is, it is th 100 days' wages, uh, and it is a lot of money, but it is trivial compared to what the man was forgiven. Right? Compared to what he, he, he was forgiven, it is trivial. But this man owes him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servants fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you, because this was a payable debt. And he refused and went to put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. They went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant! Because he would not forgive. God forgave us so much that when we don't forgive, because we say, don't you understand, God, how much I've been offended? Don't you understand how much that hurt? Don't you understand what this cost me? 
And God says, you wicked servant. And then he goes on. You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And we find out why forgiveness is so important. God asks us to be forgiving because we have been forgiven. He doesn't say the offense against us isn't real. There is no, <coughs> there is no bit of this that implies the offense against us is trivial. When someone sins against us, sometimes it is trivial. I'm sorry, stealing a dollar is bad. And by the way, faithful in small things, faithful in large things, if I'd steal a dollar, then who knows what else I would steal, right? Uh, but, but stealing a dollar is trivial. Uh, other offenses are much less trivial. God doesn't say they're not trivial. God doesn't say they're small. God doesn't say they're insignificant. He, he, the, Jesus gave this parable specifically naming a large amount for a reason. So that we would understand, he's saying when we don't forgive even in big things, God looks at us and that's how he describes us. Uh, he says, wicked servant. He doesn't say the offense against us isn't real, but he does make it clear that the forgiveness we have received is far more significant than the forgiveness we will give. What we have received has a far greater value than the forgiveness we will give. And, and, and then scripture teaches that we pay a price for not forgiving. We have this conditional forgiveness thing going on, which, which can be very confusing and, and bothersome. It teaches we pay a price if we refuse to forgive. And we've looked at the two passages that teach that, right? Matthew chapter 6, where he says, uh, if you forgive, then my heavenly Father will forgive you. And if you don't forgive, my heavenly Father won't forgive you. That's for conditional. That, that, that's the definition of the word conditional. If then, right? If you do this, then he will do that. If you forgive, then he will forgive. If you don't forgive, then he won't forgive. This one goes on, uh, the, the same one. I didn't read it to the very end, so let me continue. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. Well, first, to, to, to settle this, is you have to understand that this is not a reference to the forgiveness that gives us eternal life. Uh, our salvation is played out on two stages, right? There is the, the temporal stage, the earthly stage, and there is the eternal stage, the heavenly stage. Our salvation is played out on both of those. We were made perfect in the heavens, and yet here we are, right? I have, I have been uh, sanctified. I have been justified. I have been glorified. The Bible uses past tense for all of those. And yet here I am, like this, right? And you go, Steve, there's something wrong with those words. <laughs> they, they don't mean what they, you think they mean. Well, we're playing out our Christian lives on two, two stages. We have the permanent, temper, uh, permanent eternal spiritual stage uh, there that we will come to see and experience. But in the meantime, we're living it out on this temporal, uh, earthly stage where we're living in, in relation. This, that's, it's on this temporary, earthly stage where this if-then forgiveness takes place. It's not talking about heaven. He's not saying, if you don't forgive, you're going to lose your salvation because you're going to lose your forgiveness, and then you will never get to heaven because you have not forgiven. Right? He's not saying that, but he is saying, you will pay a price, you will experience what it means down here to not be forgiven because you are not forgiving. You, this will be the life you have. Uh, we, we, we will see these things. Uh, you can die with unforgiveness. You will still go to heaven. 
I, I want to say, I want to add, don't make that your goal. Don't say, oh, good. That's all I care about. I'll go to heaven uh, and, and be the least there. That would be really dumb, okay? Um, what is the prison of Matthew 18, 33 to 35, right? Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant, as I had mercy on you? In anger, the, man, the master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. What is this jail? What is this prison that people are delivered to? Uh, and I'll tell you this, it's the prison we create. Uh, I, this is what I believe. Because uh, the Bible doesn't say this. This is what I have, have discerned from, from watching, observing people who don't forgive. And, and, it, and it's consistent with what we find there. It's, it's a prison you, 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 can, you create and it's a prison you hold the key to. Because you've sinned against me. I'll make you the sinner this time. I'm the good guy. You've sinned against me and I'm angry. I'm angry at you, and because I'm angry at you, I will not forgive you. And because I will not forgive you, I continue to be angry at you. Right? Because that's what unforgiveness does, is it causes you to keep the offense. Right? Because you're not letting go of it because you have the power over that person because you ha have that anger, and in some way you have power over them. You get to at least continue being angry at them. You get to have high blood pressure and... and, uh, and, and Ulcers, fortunately, because you hung on to your anger. <laughs> Not fortunately, right? You, you get to have these things, and, and so the, what is it? You, you get to continue being angry. A person who will not let go of his anger becomes bitter, and you are an angry, bitter person with no joy in your life, or at least little joy in your life. You're not experiencing the, the joy of your salvation. You're not living out a, a life where you are receiving blessings and being a blessings and sharing blessings. You have created a prison of bitterness, and you will be in it until when? Till you forgive. You have the key. The key is forgiveness. And you can take that key anytime and forgive that person and you unlock the prison you have put yourself in, and you are free. Okay, yeah. But that's only one possibility. You know, my, I, I go to anger and bitterness because my default reaction is, is anger. That's, that's, you know, it's, it's the whole flight or fright thing. My, my response since I was a little boy was fight. So by, my d default is anger. What if it's flight? What if your default is flight? You sinned against me, and I'm afraid. I'm afraid that if I forgive you, I'm giving you permission to sin against me again. I'm giving you permission to, to hurt me again. If I forgive you, then I'm saying it didn't matter and I'm afraid I will repeat the cycle and I don't want that to happen and I will not forgive because I am afraid of the consequences of forgiving. Well, a person who will not let go of his fear is defeated. And fearful, discouraged, you will be an unhappy, fearful, discouraged person till the day you die. Because not forgiving that keeps it there. You don't get to let go of it. You've hung on to it because you haven't forgiven it. You haven't released the debt. You've hung on to it. You've hung on to the offense. And, and it's there with you the whole time. Until the day you forgive that person and you unlock the key to the prison that has kept you prisoner to your own fear and to your own unforgiveness. 
And Jesus Christ gives us this ability to forgive, this command to forgive, among others. I mean, I, want, I don't want to say this is the main reason we do it because it's good for us, but it is a huge thing that forgiveness is good for us. And it is a blessing. And there may be better explanations than what I have, but, but it makes sense to me. You know, this is what I have observed, is that people put themselves in a prison and then stay there. And all they have to do to get out of it is to forgive. And, and, and so I think that's the prison that, that, that he does, and forgiveness is the key that lets us out. Now, and I want to jump from this to what may seem like a, a huge turn and talk about the unforgivable sin. Because you, you, you may immediately go, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. Let's look at Matthew chapter 12. Because I said this was about us forgiving, not God. And the unforgivable sin is a subject about God. Matthew 12, 31 to 32. Everybody knows the phrase unforgivable sin. Few people know the context of where it is taught. Uh, in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus has been working. He's been doing miracles. And, and he kicks a devil out. And... Uh, I'm going to start all the way back to uh, verse 25. Knowing their thoughts, knowing what they were thinking. In fact, I'm going to go back a little bit farther. Uh, verse 32. Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him. So that the man spoke and saw, and all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. That's the offense, that, that, that's what Jesus did, and that's what they said about what Jesus did. That is the event that brought about the following discussion and statement. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. No city or house is divided against itself can stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he binds first the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder the house. Whoever is not with me is against me. Whoever is not with me, uh, whoever does not gather with me scatters. So he presents this situation that he says, if by the Spirit of God I cast out demons, right? We see Jesus cast out demons and they said, it is by the power of Beelzebul. He says, he says, it is by the Spirit of God. And then he says this, therefore I tell you, Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people. But the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. So we find this phrase, sin that will not be forgiven, what, what come to be known as the unforgivable sin, and we find this context that teaches very clearly it is taking the works of the Holy Spirit and calling them demonic. Or it might be the, the, the reverse of that also, taking the spirits of demons, the, the works of demons, and calling them uh, divine or godlike, uh, which would be both sides of the same thing. It's a very clear context here that defines what that sin is. It is... It is uh, Sinning against the Holy Spirit by taking the works of the Holy Spirit and calling them demonic. Or I, like I say, by, by extension, I'll say taking the works of, of, the, of demons and calling them 
godlike or divine. Uh, that would be blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Many Bible scholars will say you cannot sin against the Holy, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit today because Jesus has to be, you know, they were, they were taking the works of Jesus Christ himself and calling them demonic, and because he's not here walking in the flesh, he can. They may be right, may not, but, but I, for the most part, I want to say this is a sin you probably don't have to worry about. You know, I don't think, I don't think first of all, anyone who, who wants to be saved will be told no. I think this is a person who has cut himself off from that position. He, is, he has decided. He isn't just saying words. He has decided that, that what is God true, true is demonic and what is demonic is true or good. And, and this person has made this decision and he has invested his life in that or bet his life on that. And I don't think he's going to change his mind and want to. I don't think he's going to say, boy, I sure wish I hadn't said that so that I could now be saved because I know it's true. I don't think that's a possibility. And the reason I think that matters to us is because I think sometimes people go around and we wonder, oh no, did I commit this sin? Am I in trouble? Uh, I say the answer to that is say, dear Jesus, forgive me for my sins and give me the gift of salvation. Uh, and, and, and I think he will. I don't, I don't think you, you have to worry about it. Uh, this person wanted to come to Christ. I don't, I don't think he does. Um, this person doesn't want to come to Christ. If you want to come to Christ, he will forgive you. So what does this have to do with me forgiving others? Because I, I want to bring it back to that subject. It's real simple conclusion. Uh, no sin against you is the unpardonable sin. Every sin done against you can be forgiven. Can be forgiven by God and should be forgiven by you. And you go, wait a minute. I mean, let's go back to where we started with how hard it can be to forgive sin. Yes, I'm not saying it's not hard. I understand it is hard. Not always, but sometimes. And it's, and it's, and it's not for the easy ones that this sermon is preached. It's for the hard ones. It's for those ones that we don't want to forgive. But only a sin against God himself, the Holy Spirit being God. And Jesus even said, every blasphemy against the Son of Man will be forgiven, which for which I'm grateful because I have misused the name of Jesus Christ in my life, right? And I'm going, man, if blasphemy against the Son of God would not be forgiven, then I am toast. I think that probably speaks for most of us. Right At some point or other in our lives, uh, maybe you were raised in a church and you never did that. I wasn't raised in a church, and I came out of a foul-mouthed background. Right? And, and I misused the name of God uh, enough. <laughs> I'm so glad blasphemy against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, who is, who is God, only sin against God himself can, can qualify as the unforgivable sin. And if you think you cannot forgive a sin against you because it is too big, you have placed yourself on the throne of God in your life. And that will have repercussions in your life that, that are not good. We need to, and, and you know, the, the, I love the Romans chapter 12, verse 1, make, like, make your body a living, is it one or two? Uh, I have to read it because I've, I've gotten tripped up on this one twice today already. Romans chapter 12. Uh, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, uh, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And, and you know what the problem is with a living sacrifice, right? <laughs> it, it, it tries to get off that altar, right? It, it tries to, to get off the altar. We want, we want to be off the altar. We want to be on the throne. And God wants us off the throne and on the altar. 
no sin against us qualifies as unforgivable. If we do not forgive because it is that big, we have placed God off the throne uh, and, and, and put ourselves there. So what do you do? This is easy to say. Get off the throne. Get off the throne. Tell God, Father God, I realize what I have done, and I am wrong. Forgive me for that. Take the throne back. Continue. Lord, here is what I have not been willing to do. And it takes me 10 seconds to say this here. Have you ever prayed to God where you stopped in the middle of a sentence and didn't go on for a long period of time? Because I have. Because I didn't want to say the next words. And I knew what they had to be. It's not that I didn't know what I needed to say, but I didn't want to say them. And God is gracious. And he's patient. And he will wait with you and he will help. And and in the middle of that silent time, you can say, dear God, help me say this. Because he knows and he wants to help you. Lord, I ask you to forgive that person. And there's no alternative to just doing it. There's no alternative. And, and don't think of all the reasons why you shouldn't. Don't think of all the conditions you'd like to place on it. Don't think of all the ways you could get hurt. Don't think of all the ways you could get offended. Don't think of all the fears of, of what can come back. Those are God's business. Your business is to forgive, to let that person out of your debt. Hard as it is, that's what you do. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Lord, I know, I know as I say this, some of the hurts people are dealing with or have dealt with. I recognize the size of some of the offenses. And Father, at the same time, I know that there are offenses that people have suffered in here that I am completely unaware of. Father, I know your word is true. And I know your truth is powerful. And I ask you to bless us with the ability to forgive and to walk in the freedom that gives. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.